and welcome to a special tapping up. Um, given that over the 52 episodes, myself and Daryl have slammed Arsenal and their disastrous uh, capitulation last season, I thought it was about time that we uh, gave uh, some uh, an Arsenal fan the chance to uh, have some uh, some comments back. So uh, we've got a special guest uh, today, which is uh, my good friend Grant and a big Arsenal fan. So. Uh, he is uh, joining me today on the uh, the podcast. So welcome, Grant. How are you doing? Good morning. Thank you for um, the invite. With a, uh, a full-time job and a six-month-old baby, it's pretty exciting to talk about football for half an hour. It's, it's the best part of my week, mate, getting away, <laughs> and I don't have those dramas. No, no, no golf for you today? I thought you might have been I out early. Yesterday. Uh, yeah, I got a game yesterday at Burnham and Barrow, which was uh, a Lynx course, which was awesome. So, yeah, feeling more excited than usual on a Saturday morning. Good, good. So what we're, we're going to do a, a special edition uh, today based on Arsenal and Liverpool. Um, we're going to discuss a little bit uh, back and forth between uh, ourselves. We've both got a few questions for each other about each other's teams. But um, firstly, Grant, I mean, jumping straight in, in terms of last season, I'd be uh, interested to hear your views on Arsenal. Um me and me and Daryl, if you don't know how many of our, our, our podcasts we you listen to, but we constantly said when Arsenal were doing really well that we felt they were not going to last and run the course and they were going to fade. Sadly for you, that came to be uh, the, the outcome, but they came very close and did, I think, a lot better than most people expected. But what's uh, what was an Arsenal uh, fan's view of last season? Well, it's quite a lot of a lot of views. Now I talk too much here. Just tell me to shut up, because I can talk forever on on the history of Arsenal and the way we've progressed over the years. But just looking at last season, there was a sense of inevitability, I think, with Arsenal fans and the wider fans of other teams that we would fade. Um, it stands to reason we don't have the squad depth. I think Saka played almost every game, and the amount of time he has the ball, he was going to fade. Um, Martinez the same. He's constantly up and down the pitch. Injuries came in. Made some great signings, but I just don't think we had the squad depth to see that that high level all season long. Um, I don't think any Arsenal fan would be disappointed. I think on paper, you'd have to say we choked. Um, we had a good lead. We had commanding leads in games at crucial moments and just didn't have enough to get over the line. Um, but I really think it was a great season. I think Arsenal fans are delighted with what Mikel has done, what he's continuing to do this season. And he's the measuring stick against Man City. And everything we're doing now is a direct, direct reflection on what Man City have done in the past. He, he knows what you need to, to win over a season. Um, and we'll talk about the stage in the signings, I assume. But that's, that's where we fell down. And our 11 against 11 were pretty good. But our squad um, was clearly not as good as theirs. And in the big head-to-heads when we played Man City, we looked lost both tactically, tactically and, and player for player. I think we were one-dimensional when, dimensional when we played against them. Um, Saka looked isolated out on the wing. Uh, and Odegaard looked like a, we were carrying him in those big games because he doesn't offer anything going back. Um, but hopefully we, we've addressed that this season. I mean, ultimately, City are in a league of their own. It's very hard for any team, given the money they've got, the players they've got, Haaland, De Bruyne, to challenge. But surely second ultimately exceeded even the harshest Arsenal fans' expectations. Definitely, and we're talking about your team here. I mean, Liverpool have been as good as Man City, if not better, um, over the last three to four years, or certainly could match them in a game of football. 
Um, Arsenal were never in that league. So to get into that level of commanding, we beat Liverpool at home. We were played you off the park in the first 25 minutes at Anfield, which is unheard of for us. Um, you came back into it after that. But that's massive improvement on a, on a top-level performing status. So Arsenal are reaching those levels now, which I didn't think we could. So, yes, you've got to say, regardless of where we finished, um, we've moved forward in the way we play football now and our tactics are far better. Um, I think the best team is always the team that's in the Champions League and in the Premiership race. Remember, Arsenal weren't last season. So even if we were to win it, I still don't think that would have made us the best team necessarily. But we could have got a trophy uh, and that's a big chance lost. Um, but the bigger picture is to get become the best team and to do that you've got to have the squad depth and play Champions League as well as the Premiership Yeah and I mean we'll come on to this because probably the sign-ins and some of the questions I've got for you fit into this but what would your expectations be for this season? I mean personally I can't see you even though I think you've done very well in the transfer market beating City, I think it's a race for second and if I'm honest with the seasons that the the sign-ins you've made I would say that you're probably clear favourites to be second again. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment. Um, what's in, I don't know whether you watched the Community Shield game, but I actually think that was a really high-level game. Um, both teams did want to win. Yes, there were a few players missing on both sides, but it was a game won or lost on a few high presses gone wrong. And that just shows that we're not far off them in a game of football now, in my view. Um, so who knows? I mean, it's a long season. De Bruyne is now out. We've obviously lost Timber. Um, our squad is still weaker than theirs but who knows I mean I still think second's a very good season for us Um, I know some pundits will probably think we should be trying to win the league and obviously we are but it's going to be a very tall order to beat a treble winning Man City who are probably even better this year than last so um, I don't know second would be good totally agree Uh, so I've got a few questions for you then first one for me uh, is what seems to be going on with uh, with Thomas Partey? So obviously you, you've definitely strengthened the team with with Rice, and I think he's great addition. And I saw some of the match against Palace uh, in midweek, and he was absolutely fantastic for you. He's obviously taken Partey's uh, role in the team in terms of that defensive midfielder. But um, it, haven't you shifted Partey out to left back at the moment? Is that right? It's an interesting one, and you don't really know the reasons. Um why it's happening, but I think he wants to play Rice in several positions in midfield. He started him sort of left slightly further forward and back, so he's trying to get him used to playing lots of positions across midfield. And I think he wants Party to be an option to play defensively in some form- formations and then come into midfield when we've got possession. Against Pals, we saw that. He popped up in the middle of the park on the right wing and obviously a, a defensive player when he was without the ball. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a problem, Partey is by far, I think, our best player. Um, that's controversial for Arsenal fans. He doesn't get many goals, but I think his reading between the lines is very good. His assessment of danger is very good. Um, he gets up and down the pitch and he rarely loses possession. So um, we've got to keep him, it's my view. Um, whether he's happy playing right back, I, I very much doubt, but he's done a good job there against Palace and we've got to keep him and get him back in the team. But Rice obviously was fantastic against Palace and he needs to go up some levels. Uh, I don't know what you think, but this is by far the best team he's played for. Um, Arsenal play a different game of football than England and West Ham. He's going to get more touches. He's going to have to move it quicker. Um, so we're going to see the best of him, and I think he will get better this season. 
Yeah, and yeah, I've always thought Rice is one of those players, a bit like Steven Gerrard, that you give him, put him in a better team, put him surround him with better players, perhaps give him a little bit of responsibility. I mean, I think he would be very well suited to maybe being your vice captain, and I think you would see as the game, the levels of his game increase. Um, I happen to agree with you about Party, and I was surprised when there seemed to be, you know, rumours that he was going to be sold to either Juventus or maybe to Saudi, but. Given our lack of a defensive mid, I'd fucking snap your hand off to take him. I think he's an absolutely superb player. He really is. And he got he got bad press in the game against Man City last season, but he was isolated. We had three or four attacking players. He had no support. And they've got Rodri, Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, so many good midfielders in and around him. He was just sinking. I mean, he couldn't look good in that game. Um, but I think with Rice, if they play two in a double pivot this season... And that's going to be hard to break down for Man City. So really interested to see that first game. Uh, and yes, he would he would suit any team. Um, so we can't let him go. He's fundamental, I think, to our chances this year. I mean, if you if you look at it on paper, to be fair, that there's probably the, the top two if, if your teams are playing a double pivot. There's probably no better double pivots in the league really on paper than than Party and Rice and Calcedo and Fernandez for Chelsea. Um, they're obviously both still finding their feet, but for them, for me, if, if you're looking for a two, two to, to play that defensive, if you're going four, two, three, one, um, that's a superb combination. Yeah, I mean, we're not really playing with a striker at the moment. I don't know if you've seen Jesus is in and out of the team, but he's not really a striker. Um, he's a great hold-up player. He puts a lot of effort in. He can turn and run, run at players and opens up space for the wingers, but he's not going to get us 20 plus goals a season. Um, and Ketia could in the right team, but I don't think he will in our our style of football. Um, so we're really playing without a striker. So for me, a double pivot and releasing faster players in on the wings um, would probably be a way to go in those big games. It's an inter- interesting point you raised. It comes on to one of my next questions, which was obviously Jesus is undoubtedly number one striker. Uh, I've never been uh, an Enketia fan, to be honest with you. And you've obviously got uh, Balogun, who went away on loan last season, absolutely tore it up, scored a, a you know third most goals in the league, uh, only behind Mbappe and and someone else I forget in, in France, but doesn't seem to be getting a sniff. I, I'm surprised given uh, Jesus's injury that he hasn't been given a little go up front um, instead of Enketia just to see what he could do. Absolutely, I totally agree. We've, we've given Enketia a contract, so he's there at the moment. Balogun could be what we need. We just don't know until he gets a couple of games. And the worst thing that can happen, can happen is he plays well, we up his value and, and we still sell him. So it doesn't seem any risk in giving him a run in the team, bearing in mind that Ketty is not offering a huge amount. Um, I mean, he did create the goal against Palace with a very clever bit of play. And he's a very clever player. He just doesn't give you much on the ball. Um, he's an off-the-ball player and a fox in the box. So... That's a hard carry for us in the big games when you look at Man City with Haaland. I mean, he does it all, doesn't he? Um, And until we've got something that matches that, I think people are always going to look in the mirror and say, can Arsenal really be a dominant force without a a top striker? Yeah, and agreed. And I mean, even if he does go, uh, it seems like you're talking some crazy money for him. I've seen that you're holding out for 40, 50 million for him. Seems a bit fucking ludicrous given he's had one good season (laughs) in France. Uh, I I can't see that happening. And never played, but I definitely felt that that, like you say, that that the given Jesus is out, uh, you've got you know four or five games before the end of the transfer window. 
if he played and he scored a few goals, that gives you the option of do you keep him and, and he becomes your, your number two striker until Jesus is back. If he doesn't quite work out, but he still scores a few goals, it's going to up his value and you probably might get closer to that kind of sum that they're asking for. So, um, yeah, that's a strange one for me. Definitely. And Arteta's been non-committal on, on Nketiah as well. He hasn't, hasn't backed him really in big games or any game. Uh, he's given a run in the team at the moment through probably lack of no choice. But this talk of him going to Palace, um, rumoured at £30 million for Nketiah. So I think if either one of them goes for that kind of money, you've got to hope he's got another striker in mind he's going to bring in. Um, other one I add for you. So seems at the moment, again, I think underrated player in your team is Gabriel. I mean, he, he has a clangor in him. Um, uh, if I'm honest, I think, you know, a few times a season. But so far this season, Ben White seems to be getting the nod over him. What's your, any idea on why that is? Yeah, it's definitely concerning. I, I didn't see this coming at the start of the, uh, the pre-season, but to him, for him not to start games in, in the premierships, there's obviously a reason, whether it's personality clash, his head's been turned or, or what, I'm not sure. But I can't understand why Mikel would want to sell him. I think he's as good as we're going to get in that position. And he does all the work you don't always see. So Saliba gets the headlines for his physicality, pace uh, and seemingly good positional play. But I think Gabriel offers a lot of that in the background and he's reading the game as it's very strong. So I don't know is the answer to that, but I think it would be suicide to sell him because um, we're going to be really short on defensive cover there with, with Timber out. Um, and Ben White doesn't have the pace to play centre-back for me. So he's a better right back or a holding midfielder if any position. Yeah, and I mean, Timber's a really uh, gutting one because really highly weighted. I, I really was hopeful Liverpool would sign him, to be honest with you. I mean, he's been touted as Virgil's successor in the Dutch team. Um, personally, I would say that he's a better right back than, than Ben White. So to see him injured, um, you know, and out for the season on his first game is really... <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's a, it's a bad injury that you don't know what's going to come back from. Um, where he's going to come back from, sorry, how he returns, whether he's still the same player. So that is devastating, really, and such a bright future for us to get a player of his quality who can play across that back line um, and so comfortable on the ball. We've, we've missed that, really. So it looks like we're going to be back to Zinchenko when he's fit, but he proved last season he's a, he's a bit of a liability on the defensive end. Uh, I think teams will target that um, if, he, if he's a regular player in the, in the left-back role. Yeah, and um, that is a surprising one, I think, um, that he hasn't made the grade. Zinchenko? Uh, I mean, Zinchenko does well as an inverted uh, left sort of back, I think. Mm -hmm. He does, in, you know, he's sort of the, the trying to do what uh, Trent is is now, you know, it was, you know, and I mean, ultimately it was Bielsa and, and um, 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 Pep that sort of sort of invented that role, but Zinchenko <laughs> did a good job for you at left back playing that inverted type role. Um, and uh, I mean, he's not clearly a left back. That was one of the reasons why he left City, but he did a very good job for you in that position um, when he was called upon because he can step into midfield uh, and he's got good skills on the ball. That's his best role, definitely in midfield. He's just he can pass all day. Um, he just reads the game better than, than most so we still need him in the squad but he's a risk for us in the uh, left back he just doesn't spot the danger 
Same as Trent. I mean, he's, he can't be a worse defender <laughs> yeah, than Trent. Very similar uh, to Trent worse, in that respect. He can't be a worse defender than Trent. But um, on that point, just, jump, just jumping in, are you um, are you happy with Trent in midfield? Uh, I like the way that they do it. it. Just exposes us at the right side of centre back. And the strange thing for me is we play Canati there instead of um, uh, Virgil. So um, Canate ends up having to do all of the work covering for Trent, and he's also got a clanger in him. I don't understand why they don't switch Virgil to that side because Virgil's good enough to do two men's jobs. Mm. Um, but uh, next question I got for you is to do with Raya. So you've obviously signed him uh, in terms of uh, I don't know if he's been brought in as as a backup. I, I think Ramsdale's done a good enough job for you in in certain areas. Uh, I don't rate him as a, a superb number one, but I think he's good enough. Do you think Ray is in as, as, as a number one? Because um, it's a rare that you get a team where you've got two players that are probably good enough to play um, number one. And, and, and you could argue that you've got the two best keepers, if you look at it like mm-hmm. that. Most teams, Liverpool, for example, we've got a very clear number one in Allison, and then uh, a dog shit backup in... Uh, <laughs> Kelleher or uh, otherwise, but um, what do you think will happen with uh, with uh, with Raya? It's very interesting. Yeah, agreed with you. I mean, it's unusual to have two very good starting goalkeepers. Neither neither of them would accept being a number two. You'd expect. So I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, I don't know if you watched the um, Amazon Prime documentary on Arteta, but he's all about building two two to three players in every position because he feels different games need different players and that's a big part of his philosophy if he can get the keepers to buy into that i.e they both offer different skill sets for different games um that might work but if one's a number one and one's a number two until they mess up i don't see that being a good position for for two keepers and, and matt turner who's been our backup keeper has done a really good job when he's come in he's played the lower league cup games and done really well so i don't see a need to change that unless Mikel knows best and he thinks we're going to need that that squad rotation for Champions League, cup games, and and the like. But um, well, you flogged him, haven't you? And he's gone to Forest now, Turner. He's gone. Yeah, exactly. So he's gone. Um, that was a one-in-one-out situation. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got two great keepers. Who's going to be number one? I don't know. Um, I don't think Ramsdale did much wrong um, last season. Yeah, a few slips towards the end of the season. But I think he's had some personal issues, which probably explain that. Looking back on them. But, I mean, he's got world-class saves in him. Um, and I'm not sure Frey is better, really, is the truth. So we'll just have to see how that pans out. Yeah, I thought he got a bit over overrated last season. Everyone talking about him joining the really big teams. I think he's a pretty steady, um, lower, you know, mid-table keeper. But I certainly wouldn't say he's a, an Arsenal or a Man U, Man U or a link to him at one point. Um, because he's a player I, I really rate. And I think he's absolutely fantastic. He taught us to absolute shreds in the game you mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, so Martinelli is, uh, he has insane potential, I would um, but he's just very inconsistent. And um, I just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'd love him at Liverpool in terms of Mo's long-term successor uh, in that role. I think he's absolutely brilliant, sort of 10, 15 games a season. But I, I, I'd, I'd be interested to know what Arsenal fans think of him uh, as opposed to Saka, 
Saka's obviously the you know the homegrown boy, the the lad that's come good. But um, mm-hmm. what what what's the Arsenal view on uh, uh, Martinelli? Yeah, well, just on that point, first of all, on Saka, um, it's unusual, I think, when you're in a, a sporting a football team where it's hard to pick our best player or your favourite player. We actually have good characters in the squad now, all offering something different. And there's a good argument Saka's our best player. Like I said, Party was. Um, you could argue Martinelli. You could argue Erdegaard, Saliba. It's, it's a good team now with good players um, all across the pitch. But um, where Saka and Martinelli differ, I think Saka cuts in and is more of a, a long shot goal threat. Um, but Martinelli has, has better pace. Um, he rarely loses the ball either. Defenders are terrified of him because he can go either side. I'd actually like to see him have a run down the middle. I think you could play Trossard on the left. You could play Martinelli down the middle because with the ball and without it, his pace will just terrify a defence. Um, I don't know if you remember his goal against Chelsea a few years back. He pretty much ran from the halfway line, skinned a few players and, and scored. And that's where I think we're going to get the best out of him, not on the wing. Um, but yeah, whether he's better than Saka or not, I think they're both on a par at the moment. I think they both offer slightly different things, but both equally effective and devastating when they're at full potential. Yeah, because I mean, I'll be honest, when Saka first broke through, I, I, I thought he was incredibly overrated by Arsenal fans. He was... You know, they saw him as the, you know, the, the main man, and I never thought I was that impressed with him. The last couple of seasons, he's completely changed my mind, and I mean, the numbers that he does racking up in terms of goals and assists last season, uh, I might be wrong here, but I think it was it was it 13 goals and 11 assists in the Premier League. You know, that, yeah. that that's numbers for for someone of his age uh, and what he brings to the team. Um, sensational player. Definitely, that's back to our Perez over Mars title winning teams when we had. 15 goals from our wingers or midfielders. Um, the difference is we had Nomri then, he was going to get you 30 as well. So we're, we're building up all the positions, I think, other than that centre-forward position. I lost you for a second there, Grant. Are you still there? Yes, yeah, sorry. I, I'm exactly the same. I couldn't hear you either, so you're back now. Uh, technical issues we're having today, uh, our listeners, so we do apologise if there's a few gaps. This uh, We haven't got Daryl here, our technical wizard, to sort out all of uh, the shit that we normally have uh, to sort <laughs> out. But... Um, uh, I mean, any, any other points before we move on to Liverpool, Grant, that you want to make uh, in terms of Arsenal this season? No, I, I just hope non-Arsenal fans are enjoying the way we play football now because you've got to go back a long way before we played really exciting football. And I think if you're going to choose a, a neutral game to watch, I would have thought an Arsenal team are worth watching now. Yeah, absolutely. And and they play, obviously, a very attractive brand of football. Um, good to watch. I mean, they always have, to be fair. I mean, it's always been something that's gone hand-in-hand hand with Arsenal, even when they weren't doing as well as they were. They played pretty good football, mm. uh, I would have said. Should we move on to Liverpool then? Let's do it. Um, so, I mean, overview for me uh, in terms of, obviously, last season was a little bit of a disaster. Um, injuries didn't help. Uh, Luis Diaz in particular, that made a, a massive difference to us, having him out for six months because he came in as a, an absolute breath of uh, fresh air. <laughs> Um, I think we've made very good signings in Flobberzai. He was the best player on the park for me last match um, uh, against Bournemouth. Absolutely ran the show. And it's been a while since we've had someone in that sort of eight position that can do a bit of everything, can be very creative. Uh, McAllister is a great signing as well because he had an absolutely amazing season uh, at Brighton. Uh, obviously, the disappointment for me is the, the lack of... Um, 
a real high quality defensive midfielder. I, I think if we'd managed to get Caicedo and that little rat hadn't uh, bumped us <laughs> off in the last day and gone to Chelsea, that 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 midfield three would have been as good as as anyone in in the Premier League. Um, we bought Endo. Uh, you know, he, he's old. He's not going to add something for 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 a long term. But I think we will look to buy somebody else before the close of the window. Hmm. Yeah, I agree um, with you. I think a Casido signing would have made a massive difference to the way you play. Um, it appears to me the games I've seen of Liverpool, without that base in midfield, the attacking sort of strength you had is is on the handbrake. Yeah, and I mean, Gravenbach or Amrabat are the two that were being linked with now. Um, they would be very good signings. Uh, as I say, I, I think Endo, looking at his stats, he's, he's kind of changed my mind. I think he, he definitely could make a difference in, in the short term. He's expected to make his full debut tomorrow against Newcastle. Um, and I think he might surprise a few people. So, But obviously at 30, he is definitely a stopgap and someone who is brought in in the shorter term. I think while we look for a long-term solution uh, in that role, but um, mm-hmm. the Calcedo one for me was the real loss. If we could have got him, that would have catapulted us to me straight up into the league of, of Arsenal, challenging for second, whereas I feel that we're a little bit short unless Klopp pulls some magic out of the bag before the end of the season and we get someone um, spectacular in that role, um, you know, before the window closes. Yeah, well, that was actually one of the questions I had for you. Um, interesting for me being on the other side, watching Arsenal being way behind their financial competitors and then suddenly finding a way to to win signings. Um, do you think Liverpool are now in that battle with Chelsea, uh, both for transfers of key targets and then for league position um, for that top four spot? Um, I mean, I think I, I, I'd, I'd hope we'd be going for top four this season. Um, the, the problem that we've got is there's clearly a concern when the number of players that have, have chosen Chelsea over us uh, I think there's probably a few factors in that, that you've got London is, is surely a better place to live than Liverpool. I'm sure Chelsea are putting up more wages. Uh, but like Lavia, for example, they've just bought Calcedo. You would mm. have thought the obvious choice then would be Lavia would be thinking, I'm not going to get anywhere near that first team, whereas I'll probably play the majority of games at Liverpool. But he's still signed mm-hmm. for Chelsea. So that that is definitely a concern uh, for me. FSG have... Uh, you know, I, I don't think they, they're getting a lot of stick at the moment, but, you know, they've splashed out nearly £100 million on Slobazai McAllister. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, adding Endo as well, that takes it over 100. So, you know, they are disappointing. But the biggest frustration for me, particularly with Slobazai, is with Bellingham. That I don't think we were ever in with a realistic chance of getting Bellingham without Champions yeah. League football, but we didn't even bid. Um, and ultimately, we've spent more than Bellingham cost Madrid. If we'd at least put the, the money in and he'd said, no, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to go to Madrid and win everything. Uh, I'd get it. But if the fact that we didn't even put a bid in, I found astonishing. But then we go and splash the money we did on the other two. So that was a, a, a real frustration for me um, yeah. was the fact that we didn't even try. Uh, I'd I'd much rather try and be rejected than not try at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's always been Arsenal's issue, hasn't it? Even if you bid low, um, 
well, when you bid low, sorry, the fans break you if you bid too low. But we were never going to get the player anyway, so we may as well have just bid high and then let the fans see we were trying. So I think uh, Liverpool could have done the same there. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we played well last week. We could have crumbled when we went uh, the ridiculous red cards. I mean, I don't know if you saw it. It's never a red card. And no, quite rightly, it was overturned. Ridiculous. So that's good that we've got. But we've obviously had a, a relatively tough start to the season in terms of Newcastle. Uh, we've got tomorrow. We had Chelsea first game. So it's a good measuring stick to see how we're doing. But it's obviously putting a lot of pressure on the new midfield particularly if Endo plays uh, tomorrow. You know, that's three players that have never really played together before, apart from a couple of games. But I do feel people are sleeping a little bit on Bajetic. Came in last season in that defensive mid-role, got a load of potential. But uh, And that may well be that he's showing something in training that Klopp sees that the rest of us aren't, that makes him think, look, Endo can be the short-term fix. Uh, mm-hmm. Bayetic will be will be good enough to do that on on a longer term solution. Yeah, and just just touching on your attacking players, um, I would have thought Nunes has got to start getting a run in the team, but I'm not sure he's played much this season yet. Who Bayetic? Nunes. Nunes, yeah, and I'm really surprised because he had an absolutely outstanding um, uh, preseason. He only played 45 minutes in five games and scored four goals. Um, I was telling Daryl on previous episodes he was going to explode this season and he was going to surprise a few people. Uh, but yet, first two games, uh, Klopp's gone with Jotter over him, uh, which must surprise his confidence. Because I think he's, he's a massive confidence player as well. And, and in pre-season, the games that he played and the goals he scored, I can't understand why he's not getting that game time already. And I would certainly be playing him over Jotter. Yeah, but he's got the attributes, hasn't he? He's got the pace, power, um, and people won't be able to live with him. When he gets his composure, I think he'll be a top player. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, exactly, that's exactly it, is the composure. It's that finishing skills, that calmness under pressure. He gets in all the right places. He just His finishing was woeful last season. But uh, when he joined Benfica, he only scored eight goals in his first season, and then he scored 32. I would certainly mm-hmm. back him if he was playing the majority of games this season that he'd easily bag 20 goals a season. He's got all the physical attributes, great pace, great dribbler, good header of the ball. So um, Jot is one of those kind of unsung heroes, but frustrates me. Certainly that's my biggest frustration so far, apart from the lack of buying a a really good defensive mid, is that he's not starting Nunes. Uh, And I want to see Nunes starting. And I think against a team like Newcastle, where they've got, pretty good back line you know I really rate Botman I think he's a sensational centre back mm-hmm. and a great signing for him I think Nunes could cause him real trouble so I'd like to see Nunes start tomorrow um, and and show a few people that, that the haters that actually he's got what it takes to be um, a top Premier League striker mm. yeah I think uh, I mean Salah's off off form isn't he I don't know whether that's because he's, he actually wants to leave I wouldn't have thought Liverpool could afford to sell him um, but he signed a new contract with you not so long ago, so I don't suppose he's going to go. I don't think he'll go. Me, me and Daryl actually had this conversation. We did a, a, a regular cut podcast yesterday, and I've got no personally that he'll leave next year when he's only got a year left on his contract. Might be a different situation, and I might be a little bit more worried. But um, I think for the the short term. Uh, in terms of certainly this year, I can't see there's any way that we're going to sign him, no matter how much they offer him and how much they yeah. offer us. OK, so on that note, um, 
Where do you think Liverpool finish this season? I'd like to hope it. Well, it's got to be top four. We've got to get top four, and we've got to get Champions League football back again to maybe attract some some of the better players. Uh, personally, I think we will come after City and after you. So stripping that down, if you're saying City and Arsenal nail on for top two, which no no one can say that, but let's just say they are for arguments purposes. You've got two spaces. Tottenham could be a complete surprise package. They beat Man United last week and. I don't see them getting top four, but they've got no other cups to play for. You've got Newcastle, you've got Chelsea and yourselves. So it's going to be a tight race, I think, for, for that. Yeah, and, and and Tottenham have impressed me. I think Ange, I was didn't think that was a great appointment at the time, but I think he's done better and he seems to have got uh, the players something out of them. They've obviously lost Kane, which is a big loss for them. They need to certainly replace him with someone better than Richarlison. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and buy someone um, before... Um, the end of the season, but obviously trying to get money out of Levy is, uh, you know, tighter than the Ducks arse. So uh, good luck to Ange trying to get some some money uh, from him. But uh, they've, they've been heavily linked with this guy in um, Belgium called um, Gift Orban, who's had two sensational seasons in terms of goals to games ratio. So um, I think that will be interesting to see what Tottenham do to... Um, to to really improve a great deal so um it will be interesting to see what happens yeah I, I i hate to say it tottenham were very good against man u i mean they'd get ripped apart by man city because they were so open but they went for it they played attacking football and the midfielders beat players as opposed to just passed around them so with a with a pacey striker they um they'll cause teams problems i think under a under that management philosophy of um of Ange, I think they'll, I hate to say it, but they could be a surprise package. Yeah, and I mean, Brighton at the moment, you've got to give a shout out to Brighton. I mean, is there a more informed player in the league at the moment than Matoma? I mean, he looks absolutely sensational, doesn't he? And I think every, peep there will be £100 million bids probably coming in for him next season. It would not surprise me in the slightest. No, I agree. Um, I actually went to the Brighton game at the Emirates last year where we lost towards the end of the season. And we, yeah, I think our, had it dropped and we weren't giving it 100% in, in every challenge. But Matoma was just so good on the ball and it's speeds like Martinelli's, he's past you before you look. So, yeah, he's not going to stay at Brighton for long. Um, and no, that would be a good signing thing, for Liverpool. Don't want to repeat ourselves because I did discuss this with Daryl on yesterday's episode, but one of the things I feel that uh, is under um, helps Matoma certainly is having Esther Pinion as his left-back. Uh, yeah. You know, he likes to get forward. They, they <laughs> he's in, he, he won't be staying there long either if he's... Uh, no, no, I'll be honest with week. you, if you could afford them, I'd buy both of them because they've got a, yeah. a really good understanding. It's obvious, it's often, it's Esther Pinion's over, overlapping runs that actually then create the space for Matoma to come inside and score the goal like he did last year, uh, last week. And he gets a lot of assists for him as well down that left side. But as a left-sided combo, they are probably the best in the league at the moment. And Brighton, you've got to take the hats off, given the amount of money and players they, they lose, they buy in. I mean, Calcedo, they bought him for £4.5 million two years ago, and they've just sold yeah. him for £115. It's, it's if I was any a Liverpool, an Arsenal, a Man U trying to reach the peak of Man U, I would just get their whole scouting team and I would chuck them a shitload of money and say, come and work for us because they find <laughs> these absolute jet. I mean, and CISO is the next one. I don't know if you saw, he scored two goals last week as well. And and again, I, I saw his squad, I didn't see the goals. 
Uh, yeah, really good. Uh, but also, Deserby, I think Deserby's getting sort of overlooked of just how good a job he's done coming in mid-season to take over. Um, he's improved them. I think they've got better with him. Absolutely, and I think he's he's destined for the top. An absolutely great manager, and he he's another one. How long can Brighton potentially hold on to him before one of the big teams comes sniffing round? You know, Pep. Uh, I'm not sure how much longer he will stay at City, particularly given that he won the, the Champions League last year. He's done everything. But if I was, um, you know, Liverpool, City, someone like that, he would be top of my list for uh, a replacement. I think he's done a superb job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, we've got time for one more question. One more I had I was going to ask. Fire away. I, I'm a big fan of Klopp. I hate to say it again, but he, he gets into every team he plays against. But... He's created that 11th man phenomenon at Anfield. Um, is there any signs that his influence or impression on the team is, and the fans are starting to wane or is he still um, still a god to the Liverpool faithful? Yeah, I mean, he's, he, I, I'd be shocked if he was ever sacked. I think he's one of those people who knows when probably his time is up. He, he did seven years at Mance. He did seven years at uh, Dortmund. And I think he's coming into his eighth year with us. So he tends to have a particular period of time he stays. Clearly, last season was probably a little bit of a blip. And sadly, we do have a, an ageing team as well. When you look at, you know, we don't we don't have that superb front three that, you know, carried us uh, a lot of the way in terms of Mane, Firmino and Salah. Salah's the only one left and Salah's 31 now. Um, and I think Klopp strikes me as the type of person he bit like Fergie. I look back at Fergie when he was at Man U. I think he saw exactly what was coming with Man U in terms of they'd had all that success. Um, but the players coming out through the youth team uh, were going to come to an end and they were going to be in trouble. And he left at the perfect time. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me at the end of this season, maybe one more. But um, the way Stevie G performed at Villa... Um, he didn't do a good enough job for me to be considered there. Deserby would be the obvious one. The only other manager for me that excites me, and I can't believe a, a European team haven't taken a punt on him yet, is uh, Gallardo. So was manager of uh, River Plate, did really well mm-hmm. there, left there, was touted with a, a lot of top jobs, uh, but is still jobless. Uh, and I'd be interested to see where he goes. But yeah, when, when Klopp does call it a day, uh, it worries me. Uh, who we would get that could possibly replace him and get the players performing in the way that Klopp did. Yeah, I think interesting to watch what Pochettino does at Chelsea now because he sort of, I don't know whether he's improved as a manager or not really. He did a great job at Tottenham, okay job in other clubs, PSG. But if he can turn Chelsea around, then he'll have done a good job there. Um, But I'm not sure he will. So, I don't know, unless you find someone like uh, an Arteta or a Deserby or a Klopp in his, when he first came to Liverpool, it's hard to see, look at Spurs, the managers they've been through. They've had no success with good managers either. So it's trying to unearth someone who brings something different to the table, isn't it? And just, you know, big look at Tottenham, big name managers don't guarantee you success. You know, not. Mourinho's, you know, you Conte, someone like that. Um, you know, and for me, there's not a lot of outstanding young managers apart from Deserby that stick out and Gallardo that I would be saying, get me him if Klopp went. And um, yeah, if we made so. the wrong appointment, if we made the wrong appointment, we could be in real trouble. I mean, um, mm. the only concern I'd have if I was an Arsenal fan is 
if Arteta carries on doing as well as he does, does one of the big boys, we know Don Carlo is leaving Madrid at the end of the season. He's obviously Spanish uh, anyway. Uh, Arteta does one of the big boys in terms of uh, Barca or Real come in for him and can you keep him? Yeah, I mean, I also think we can, but um, I think he's of the era of that. He loves the club. He, he grew up, he learned from Arteta, sorry, he learned from Wenger as well as Pep. Um, I don't think he's in the Pep model where he'll just want to go to big teams, win trophies and move on. I think he wants to grow those young players with him. So until he's won something with Saka and and the younger players he's brought through, I think he's good for four or five years with us. Um, we'll see. But um, I think he's a law manager. And I think he wants to be here. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, that's what that, that's the key is keeping him because I would say Arsenal would be in a similar situation uh, as as Liverpool if he did go. There's no real logical successor that you would say, right, get me him. He's doing really well. I'd want him to take over. Definitely, and it's easy to overlook the fact that Arteta has completely revolutionised the way the fans feel about the club. I mean fans like me, I was to the point of turning off games, which has never happened in my my years of supporting Arsenal. They were so bad before Arteta came in. Um, so, yeah, I think it's still in the early days. It's still new to him. It's still new to the fans to have this feeling again. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to think we've got another four or five years to, to really go and try and conquer City. Um, and it might take that if Pep stays. So, yeah, I think he likes that challenge. Well, I'd say that's probably a good point to end it on, Grant. I appreciate you joining us for this uh, little uh, special. And um, what I think we will do is, if you're up for it, we'll maybe have a, uh, a recap in a couple of months' time. And we'll recap on some of the points we've discussed and um, see if we're right or wrong uh, where we stand and um, sort of uh, update people in terms of the Liverpool and the, uh, the Arsenal fans. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me on. It's been great to share my views on the uh, on the Arsenal. And um, yeah, let's see how the, the weekend fixtures go and hopefully both win. Yeah. And hopefully we've also um, given our listeners something to, to give us less shit about because we do get a lot of comments about our anti-Arsenal views. So I thought it was good <laughs> to, uh, to bring someone on. Uh, We're an easy fan. team to bash, aren't we? Arsenal do get, the, get a bit of bashing. But um, yeah, I think we're, we'll hopefully win a few players over. Uh, and mindsets where we play football now and how can you not like all these young players who are English um, taking it to um, to the best teams in the world Absolutely, but uh, really appreciate your time Grant, it's been uh, a pleasure having you on and um, as you say, we will uh, put this one up live, I think this will go up live in a couple of days, just because we did uh, one yesterday um, and uh, look forward to uh, speaking with you and catching up with another cool. episode like this in the future Great, I look forward to your next episode